Hey guys, welcome back to the Take a Seat, Not a Side podcast hosted by Kelsey and Brian Halverson. This is a couples podcast where we dive into all things pop culture with our own special twist. Let's get started. guys oopsie (laughs) so we wanted to give everyone extra time to vote so we skipped two weeks ago and then we were out of town for one of my best friend's weddings which was so much fun um so we had to skip last week too I'm so sorry to anyone who was sitting on the edge of their seats to hear who would win or shall I say, move on in this final four. Um, But we really appreciate all the patience. We know you guys are always patient when we have to skip weeks, but we really do appreciate it. Not to mention that it was also Labor Day weekend. And if we were ever to make a dime off this, then maybe we would record over holidays. But until then, I'm sorry. We have lives too. And we're not going to record on holiday weekends. That's, That's been decided. Also, we had a little poochie pooch that was missing us all weekend and needed lots of love and attention. We made a joke. We went and did an interview, which we'll talk about later, um, with a very exciting guest um, this past week, which is an episode that will be coming out in the near future. Um, But we made a joke to him that we usually record for like two hours and then have to narrow it down because about 30 minutes is us correcting Kira as she is walking through the basement tormenting us. So Labor Day weekend also usually means football season is right around the corner, and we are recording this on the first NFL Sunday of the year. And (laughs) for anyone who has me on Facebook, they know I've been looking for a larger TV. So Kelsey agreed um, on letting me get a 55-inch TV. And I know... You guys are going to say, you should do 65, you should do 75. I get it. I get it. But we literally took my 65-inch TV from the basement, brought it upstairs, put it where it would go, and Kelsey said, not a chance. So she allowed me to get a 55-inch TV. That's what we got. There's just a funny story behind that. Um, And this this is like a daily thing for us. But just to give you guys an example of what life is like married to Kelsey, uh, I needed to sell the TV I had. Uh, it was a 42-inch Philips TV that was in our living room. So I put it on Marketplace for 75 bucks. I just wanted some money to go towards the 55-inch I was buying. And I also put it on my personal Facebook. And I said, hey, I'm listing this for 75 If any of my friends actually want it, then, you know, I could do something like 50 That's fine. Whatever. Let me know. Um, the first person to reach out to me was someone on Marketplace. And they were going to get back to me in the morning about price and whatnot. You know how Marketplace goes. The next day, I saw someone on my friends list uh, say they would take it for 50 But in fairness, I felt that the person that reached out to me first should get first dibs. And plus, they were offering 75 So I told Kelsey, like, hey, I have a couple people interested in the TV. One, someone, uh, one of my friends on Facebook, and the other one is on a Marketplace. Uh, that That's basically all she needed to know because I was handling all this. I was buying the new TV. I was selling the old TV. I was making arrangements. 
everything was perfect. Well, I work until 5.30 every day. And at uh, 5.15, I told my coworker, hey, I have to be out on time because I have someone coming over to my house to buy my TV. I'm walking to my car at 5.20, and I check my messages, and the lady says, hey, don't be startled. My husband's already at your house. He's outside in the White Explorer. I was like, oh, crap. I'm like, Kelsey, do you guys remember the story about when I was getting coached for the sighting and someone showed up and I never told Kelsey he was coming and so she had to handle that? I really wanted to avoid that this time. So I was like, crap. I'm like, hey, you know, my wife's home, but just hang on because I am having her get the TV together. I tell Kelsey, hey, could you like find the remote? Could you unhook it? All this stuff because the guy's already there. Well, that lady must have just told her husband, hey, his wife's there. Go ahead and knock on the door. <laughs> because when I got home, there was no one in his car. So I know he's inside. I have to mentally prepare for social situations for like at least 30 minutes prior. So whatever. Uh, they get the TV. They're happy with it. They leave. We're walking inside. I'm like, oh, Kels, did he give you money? And she goes, oh, yeah, it's right here. So she starts to count it. She goes, oh, wait, he, he gave you too much. And I'm like, what do you mean? How much did he give you? He, she said, well, 75. I'm like, no, that's right. She goes, no, I thought you were selling it to your friend for 50. I'm like, yeah, I don't know that guy. That's the guy from Marketplace. <laughs> you want to tell him why it's funny? The whole time they were doing the whole exchange of the TV, Kelsey was talking to him like, <laughs> like he knew me. Oh, yeah, Brian's late again. You know Brian. <laughs> I was like, ah, typical Halverson time. And he's just looking at me like, now that I look back at it, he's looking at me like, I don't know what you mean. But uh, he just smiled and looked at me and continued to go like. I'm so glad you didn't tell him, oh, wait, you paid me too much. Like 100% was talking to him like he was a buddy of yours. Like, ah, this is so typical of Brian. Well, you know, Brian. I mean, come on. He didn't know Brian. He never corrected you. No. But now that I reflect on it, some of his facial expressions really make more sense now. Because this man was looking at me like, okay, lady. Well, now I know why. Well, the TV's in place. So, yeah, that, that's all good. So as Kelsey just mentioned, we interviewed someone really cool the other day. He is the brewmaster at Titletown Brewing in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And if that sounds familiar, it's because I have sampled one of their beers on our podcast. It was actually... Our very first episode, back in episode one, I sampled their Johnny Blood Red, which is, the, I think, their second best seller, he said. Not only is he the brewmaster at Titletown, which I'm sure Brian was about to get to this, and we go into more detail on the episode. You guys have to listen to it. I can't even explain how amazing of an experience it was to visit there, to tour, to do a tasting with a certified judge. He is a certified judge in beer scoring. So he gave us score sheets to help us with our wording for our beer descriptions. So these are professional beer score sheets, something you would see in beer competition, which by the way, we go into more on the podcast, but it's not just a bunch of dudes sitting in their basement that enjoy drinking beer. Beer scores, beer judges is an insanely intense process. So we're very honored to have these cheat sheets. So if I haven't said his name yet, uh, his name was Jed Petrie, and and he is a certified beer judge. Um, it was funny because he gave us a like a little private tour, and when he was on the tour, he's like, yeah, you know, we actually hire comedians to do our tours for us. 
uh, just to you know have humor in it and have people enjoy their tours. He goes, but when I do it, I tell people it's kind of like the nerd tour. Like I really get into the specifics. And he does that on the interview even. Like he, I told him he does a really good job of keeping it low enough for people like me and Kelsey that aren't beer experts to understand, but also explaining it to anyone that's like a beer connoisseur is going to really appreciate the level that he goes into this. So yes, that's coming out next week. So something to look forward to. I honestly have to stop myself from talking about it because I want people to listen. But yeah, I agree with you. Really something to look forward to and such an enjoyable experience. So so while we aren't experts at describing the beer yet, uh, he did give us a lot of helpful tips. And we're going to be using the score sheet, like Kelsey said, because we are doing our final beer battle. And Seltzer Showdown. And... I would just like to say that Jed liked my can opening on Mike, so I cannot wait to open these. He actually thought it was so important that he gave Kelsey a can. We sampled the beers out of glasses, but he took out a can and had Kelsey crack it open. So don't let Brian fool you. People enjoy the snap, crackle, pop of my cans opening on the mic. I'm ready to get started. I am excited. So this round, we it comes down to the winner of our other battles against what we think is our all-time favorite. So ever since I discovered seltzers, one seltzer has always kind of reigned over the others. And for me, that is specifically White Claw Mango. So... That's always been my personal favorite. That's the one I'll always order at bars. It's a good go-to, unless they're running a special, of course, because I love to save a buck. Um, But otherwise, this is my go-to. So that is what is going against Lone River Ranch Water. Everyone hates that title. (laughs) Rio Red Grapefruit. Um, Luca a previous guest that we had on the podcast um, for our classic edition of the Villain Showdown, or Villain Madness, sorry. For our classic edition of the Villain Madness, he actually was taking notes on our podcast before we went live with him, and he wrote down Ranch Water because he thought it was such a funny name, and he was like, who would name a seltzer Ranch Water? Well, he forgot to mention it in the podcast, but apparently while he was at work, he flipped in his notebook to the page that said ranch water. I won't say what scenario it was at work, but it was not a laughing scenario. And the man burst out laughing and then had to like cover it up as everyone's staring at him. Like there's such inappropriate times to laugh. Funerals. Mostly just funerals. Um, work (laughs) and of course he laughed during a very serious moment at his job and you know what I don't really feel bad about it don't laugh at my favorite seltzer or possible favorite seltzer well he didn't say he just wrote the note he said he wrote ranch water in like huge letters and circled it and said why would they call it ranch water really funny that's a great episode I know that you're gonna know who's in the final four by listening to this episode but I think those the Part one and part two of the classics is a really good one to go listen to regardless because he was so funny. All right. Ready? 
I'm starting with ranch water, by the way. And then my two final beers are what I would call my favorite beer, which is the Sam Adams Boston Lager. And that is going up against the Louis Demise from Milwaukee Brewing Company. Now, I have them both in bottles, but from what I learned from Jed last week is that bottles are not meant to be drank from. They are a vessel to carry your beer and store your beer. He is not a fan of bottles. He thinks cans are better, that some bottle company must have ran a really good marketing campaign to convince people that it's better to drink out of a bottle than a can or even a bottle out of a glass. But he said, no, no. The best way to get everything you want out of your beer is to pour it into a glass. So that is what we are doing. While Brian does that, um, obviously this is a beer score sheet, so it's not really meant for seltzers, if I had to guess. Um, But I will kind of do the same thing that Brian's going to do and try to use it as much as possible to describe my seltzers as well. So I'll go first with the ranch water. I've already described it as a comparison to almost like a margarita taste, but in a seltzer form. And I still definitely agree with that. Um, Seltzers in general are kind of lighter, but I feel like this one is a little bit more full of flavor. Um, Definitely getting the grapefruit, almost getting like a lime, which is also in here. So that makes sense. Um, (laughs) More of that tropical margarita feel, like I was saying. Um, I like that it has more than one flavor to it versus your typical straight seltzer that just has the one mango or one grapefruit or one lime or one strawberry. This one has a mixture of flavors, yet you're getting it for 80 calories, and I cannot get over that. Um, So one of the things he really comments on our mouthfeel um obviously it's carbonated it's a seltzer um but it just has a lot of lightness to it still nothing too heavy and it's not going to give you gut rot like some of those really sugary cocktail drinks are I really enjoy it it's a complex flavor um which is not something you usually get with a seltzer so I really like it okay so I've got my beers poured And another thing about tasting beers is that when you pour your beer into a glass, you don't want to pour it like you do when you're filling a keg at a kegger. That's when you want to get as much beer as you can. When you're tasting beers, you kind of want like a disturbed pour to where you get a nice foamy head if it's supposed to have one. So I did that with these glasses, and I'm looking at them side by side. And while they're similar style beers, one's an amber lager, one's an amber ale, um, they do look a little different. The... Sam Adams Boston Lager uh, pours amber with, there's like a small, smooth-looking, creamy head, whereas the Louise Demise I'm looking at, the head is actually a little bit thicker and foamier, but it looks lighter. And the color is also, uh, it's amber also, but it's a little bit lighter in tone. I am first going to try the Boston Lager. That is so delicious. That is delicious. So, as I said, the the head is looks very creamy, and that's what I would describe the mouthfeel as. 
It's a very creamy feeling beer for an amber. You know, when you think of creamy beers, you think of those thick style stouts. But for an amber, that really comes through. I would say it's like a medium feel to it. Not very heavy beer, but not light. Kind of tastes, I've described it before as like a vanilla, a vanilla taste. I would say that mixed with a little bit of caramel. I really like the way that that creamy head laces the glass when I when I drink. You can kind of swish it around here and really get that. So if you ever drink Sam Adams, definitely pour it into a glass. I feel like that creamy feel way better than you do out of a bottle. And I think that's why I like drinking Sam Adams out of a can because they have these really cool wide mouth cans that I don't think any other beer has. And it's got to be for that reason. When the Louis Demise. So the first thing I noticed is Louis Demise is definitely lighter tasting. I feel like you could probably drink more of these than you could have Sam Adams Lager. I don't know what the alcohol content is in either of these, but I feel like the Louis Demise is definitely more of a six-pack beer than Sam Adams would be. Now, I wouldn't say that the mouthfeel is as creamy as the Boston Lager was, but it's still very satisfying. I mean, taste-wise, I would describe it as like a caramel caramel notes with like a tinge of vanilla. Yeah, that's really good too. It's really hard for me to distinguish which one I like better based on taste. They both taste really good and similar. I just feel like the look of the Sam Adams and the fact that it is noticeably smoother I do feel like that's going to win that will be my choice and I feel like it's more like you were kind of saying with the Louis Demise like that it's lighter and you feel like you could like throw back a six pack of them Uh, Sam Adams is probably more of an experience you know what I mean you don't need to throw back a six pack of them you could have just one or two and it's just such a flavorful beer that it's like an experience to sit and drink it. We did the Sam Adams tour when we were in Boston. Highly recommend it. But there's a lot of love that goes into those kind of beers too. So that's important to remember. You know what I mean? Because it is kind of more commercial, wouldn't you say? Um, But there's a lot of love that goes into that and a lot of work. Speaking of tours, we told you that we took the tour at the Titletown Brewing. I haven't, I've done a lot of beer tours. I've probably toured like five or six breweries before. That was such a unique experience, though. Like, we didn't just see how they make the beer. Like, we saw it step by step. And we, we don't talk about this on the podcast. So, like, I, I really want to make sure that we hit it because we did the tour after the interview. There's so much cool stuff that we learned on the tour itself that, uh, they're not going to hear. Definitely. Um, so to give you more information, when we met with the guy, it was before um, they opened, obviously, because we did the tour like where people drink and enjoy their drinks. Like We did the tour there. So it was important that we got there before they opened so that we didn't have a lot of background noise. So we got there before they opened. We did the podcast. And then once they were open, that's when we got to go do the tour I've done some tours me and Brian have done some tours together I should say we've done Miller we've done um, Paps and we've done um, Sam Adams in Boston 
which is awesome. This felt like I was doing something I shouldn't be doing. Like I felt like I snuck behind the scenes. We were so close to everything and we were tasting things and we were next to, for the lack of better words, like the machines that made the beer. Like we were standing right next to them. We were touching them. Like it felt like we shouldn't have been there, but we were allowed to be there. Like it was so cool. I mean, we were so close to it that the the final step of the brewing process um, has a huge, I think it was a filtering machine, and that's where the beer sits. Um, Jed actually took a glass and did a little tap on this huge, like, 500-gallon instrument, and uh, he pours a glass of beer and says, this is the freshest glass of beer you will ever have. Literally, it's before it even hits the cans. And, yeah, Kelsey drank it, and it was and even if it wasn't my style of beer, which is usually like a lighter beer, I didn't even care. It tasted so delicious and cold because it was like, obviously it's cold in there. It was so refreshing and like you said, the freshest beer you'll ever have. And then the very next step in the process is the packaging or the canning. We get up right next to where all the cans are being filled and placed and whatnot. And there's a little section for the defect cans. So these are cans that, like, the top didn't get secured properly or it's missing a little popper or whatever. And um, we're watching this happen. And Jed takes one of those defect cans and hands it to me and says, try it. So I got to drink probably the freshest beer I'll ever have. And that's awesome. Like, the tour was so, I don't know, is intimate the right word? Yeah, I guess that's the right word. Like, once again, it felt very informal but still formal. Like, we were still getting a tour. But in a good way, it felt informal. Like, it felt like we were getting, like, a secret backstage pass to how their beers were made. And because of COVID, the way they're doing their tours now is by scheduling in advance. So get a group of friends, call there, schedule a tour. Um, I'm sure they'd love to have you. It's a great place to tour. But he has comedians that do it for him um, on the side. But really, no offense to them. I'm sure they give awesome tours. I would... Definitely try to request Jed or a day that he's there because the the questions that you're going to have, he has answers for every one of them and, and more. Like he's got so much information to share. He shares a lot of it on the interview next week. You'll see what I mean. You'll see what I mean. Um, but on the tour, like that's his bread and butter. And this is something he's really passionate about. And you guys, once again, will learn all of that in the next episode. So I don't want to give anything away. Um, but it's so nice to get a tour from someone who does this, who actually does the brewing, who actually does the brewing and is so passionate about it. And that really shines through. And there's a whole family aspect to it. And he'll go into that too. But I don't know. He was really an amazing person. And we're so lucky to have gotten the opportunity that we got. Um, But yeah. And you guys are going to hear this in the next episode, too, when we go into it and we do the Title Town episode. But can I just say, like, you really should go there. It was amazing. If me and Brian didn't have, I don't know, responsibilities, we probably could have just sat there and drank beer and talked to Jed all day. Um, but, yeah, it was really fantastic. Okay, so we do have a podcast to host still. Wait. I have a second seltzer. Sir? Excuse me? Oh, here she goes. 
you know, on crack alone, the other one was better. So I would definitely say that the White Claw has a stronger, like, alcohol taste, um, which makes sense. The White Claw is 5%, and Ranch Water is 4%, um, given it's just 1%, but, you know. Once again, though, you really get the mango flavor, but that's all you get. I will say this, in comparison to the other seltzers I've tried during this whole experience, um... White Claw does a really good job of actually showing you the flavor. Like, I feel like some of these say that they're lime, and then you taste them, and it's just water. With, like, a hint of lime at the end. This one actually carries through that mango flavor all the way through. But there's no complexity to it. It's just one flavor. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because maybe that's all you want. But with the ranch water... I tasted everything. I tasted the grapefruit. I tasted the lime. So they weren't just throwing a bunch of stuff on there and being like, oh, you might taste these things. No, you actually taste every flavor. I taste the agave, which is also an ingredient, if I'm not wrong, in margaritas, which is why I'm probably getting that margarita feel from it. And with this one, you do taste mango, which is what they're telling you you're going to taste. But I think I like a more complex seltzer. So, because of that, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I'm going to go with the ranch water. It's very difficult to find. Um, me and Brian went to the gym today, and Brian actually, because I've been having trouble every week finding it, um, but I've been able to find one individual can every once in a while to build a six-pack with, which is what I've been doing in order to taste it. Well, the place that usually has it for the build-your-own-six-pack didn't have it today. They had all of their fall beers out, which makes sense. I totally get it. While we were at the gym, Brian finished before me at the gym, and he went to the car. And he actually called a bunch of liquor stores for me, and he found it. And I really appreciate that. Um, So now I get to enjoy my favorite seltzer as much as I want because I have a six-pack now. It's another thing, they sell them in a six-pack. They're reasonably priced. I highly recommend them. I really do. We are going to take a little break on the drinking. I mean, we don't usually drink too much other than this podcast, but it is kind of, it's a lot. You know, drinking's not really our lifestyle anymore. Um, so we we're going to take a brief break on this, but um, we saw some fall flavors and Oktoberfest beers while we were out that we're really excited about. And also, we are probably going to crack one for Titletown next week um, because we were so stupid and I guess just so excited that we forgot to buy beer when we were at Titletown. Uh, we bought myself a sweatshirt and a t-shirt and we tried lots of beer and we bought beer while we were there, but we totally forgot to take some home with us. So, we know of some local places that have it, so we are probably going to crack one for Titletown next week. Um, but other than that, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back with some fall tastings and some Oktoberfest tastings, which will be really exciting in the future. So, All right. So as you guys have been following along, you know that we are down to our final four in the Best Villain of All Time series. And we have two iconic matches. 
we have the Joker against Freddy Krueger, and we have Darth Vader versus Scar. So after how fun it was to hear Luca go into such depth about these characters and the classic villain episodes, Kelsey and I figured we should come a little bit more prepared on this one. Now, there's no way we could have did this for 64 villains because that would have been ridiculous. So we did this for the final four, and we have breakdowns of each character. So without further ado, I think we should get into this Joker versus Freddy Krueger battle. All right, guys. So we have a couple different categories, and you'll hear them consistently throughout. Um, First category, strengths. For the Joker, criminal mastermind, high IQ, expert chemist, which is what he uses to develop his weapons. Um, So obviously that's something that he has over other villains. Some of his weaknesses... He struggles to maintain alliances and loyalty from other villains, such as Penguin and Two-Face. The reason for that, which can be a strength or a weakness, is he's actually like a straight-up psychopath. Um, He has this desire for pure chaos, which isn't necessarily in a line with the goals of the other criminals and villains that he tries to um, form alliances with, and which is usually where the divide happens. Also, he's absolutely obsessed with Batman, which we have as a weakness, because it really clouds his judgment and really clouds any other thinking for him. He is famously voiced by Mark Hamill, and he has been famously portrayed by Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, Cesar Romero, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, He was actually one of the first really popular portrayals of the Joker in film. And then Jack Nicholson. His aliases include Clown Prince of Crime, the Harley Quinn of Hate, which is interesting because there is a Harley Quinn, and the Jester of Genocide. I like that one. That's really evil of me to, like, giggle at that, but whatever. His highest IMDb feature is a tie, which me and Brian were very interested to find out. I would have bet against it, to be honest, because I know one of them, The Dark Knight, is a top 10 IMDb movie of all time. I was surprised at... Uh, Batman the Animated Series, 9.0 for both. So a 9.0 for... Batman the Animated Series, and The Dark Knight. Um, But The Dark Knight is the number four movie of all time. So that's very impressive. So yeah, that is the breakdown of the Joker. I mean, he is iconic, obviously. And he is going against Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger's strengths. He's immortal in the dream world. I mean, (laughs) great, awesome. I would say for both Freddy and for the Joker, the longevity and the place in pop culture is a huge strength for both of them. Um, He's a serial killer and a dream demon, so um, that's terrifying. Razor-sharp clawed glove. Come on. Superhuman strength, high intelligence, trickery, flight, 
soul absorption, teleportation, shape-shifting, telekinesis, and invisibility. And obviously when I was researching these, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of strengths. That is overpowering. But one of his weaknesses really knocks him down a couple of pegs. First of all, he's actually mortal while he's outside of the dream world. And he loses all his powers outside the dream world. So in the real world, a lot of these go away. He does still have the ability to disguise himself as his human form in the real world. Um, But if a person touches fire, unless it's caused by Freddy, or anything burning hot, it can take them out of the dream world and into the real world where he loses his powers. Freddy can also not leave Springwood unless inside the dream of someone who is. In which case, he still cannot invade other people's dreams unless the one whose mind he is inside is related to him. Freddy also seems to hate fire as it is what the parents use to burn him alive. Freddy is famously played by Robert England, so I don't really think we even need to list anyone else. <laughs> no. The thing about Robert England is that I swear to God, if I saw him in public, I would probably start drinking some Red Bulls because I would not want to fall asleep around him. He looks like Freddy Krueger still. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean he personifies that character so well. All these other horror characters have multiple actors that play their roles. Um, Michael Myers had multiple. Jason has a lot. But Robert England is Freddy Krueger. And he really cares about the character because he's actually refused to even comment on some of these remakes because he just does not think they're credible at all. Which IMDb would agree with him. Um, The original Nightmare on Elm Street is the highest rated of all of them and is actually the 55th rated horror film which doesn't seem like it's very high, but you have to consider that the idea of horror is a very broad genre. And the IMDb rating, by the way, on the original Nightmare on Elm Street is a 7.5. And the original one, that's the one with Johnny Depp, right? Yes, Johnny Depp. I believe that was one of his first movies, if not his first movie. It was it came out in 1984. Um, And then just to touch base, um, aliases include Fred Krueger. Okay. (laughs) It's just more formal name. (laughs) In the dream world, he's Freddy Krueger. In the real world, he's probably Fred. Oh, and get this. Mr. Krueger. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Sorry we didn't mention Mr. Joker as the Joker's alias. Bastard son of a hundred maniacs. That's pretty cool. Or just Son of a Hundred Maniacs, listed separately. The Dream Master and Super Freddy, which I don't really think Super Freddy is necessarily maybe an alias as much as like a different version of him in one of the remakes probably, if I had to guess. But listed it regardless. So there's a couple of votes that come into play with this. Me and Brian have our opinions. Brian, do you want to break down what other votes we are bringing into account? Yep. So we are doing seven votes for this. So Kelsey has a vote. I have a vote. Then 
throughout this, we've had four different friends step up to help us out with different regions. So that would be Colin Stocking has a vote, Andrew Bosom has a vote, Marcus Miklovich has a vote, and Luca Novasconi has a vote. And that's six. The seventh and final vote is the fan vote. So I posted polls on our Facebook a couple weeks ago, and those results are in, and that will be, and that's the final vote. We got some incredible feedback on our fan votes. We're very impressed and very glad that you guys were as passionate about this as we were and wanted to be involved in the process. So thank you so much for voting. Well, let's run through the other votes first. All right. So first up, we have got Colin Stocking. He said if they were fighting, he'd probably go with Freddy. But in a competition of the most iconic villain, he is voting the Joker. Andrew goes with Freddy. Marcus has this whole thing where he thinks the Joker is actually a hero. Because in the Dark Knight, he doesn't actually really kill anybody. And there was nothing wrong with Gotham until Batman showed up. That's a Marcus thing. Uh, But he also voted for the Joker because he thinks the Joker should move on. Um, real quick, was that hospital empty when the Joker blew it up? Or what about um, the bank robbers that he shot? Are we not going to talk about those? Yeah, his body count is real low. <laughs> and those are just two scenes that are coming to mind. Something tells me there was a lot more deaths in that scene at the hands of the Joker. Thanks for your input, Marcus. <laughs> And Luca also goes with the Joker. So that's three votes for the Joker. One for Freddy Krueger. So here's where I'm at. First of all, we're just going to exclude Jared Leto. Because I'm sorry. But everything I've heard on his portrayal has just been negative, And I have to agree with it. He... He just did too much. I don't even know what was going on there. So we're not even going to include that portrayal in our judgments, in my opinion. On paper, I think Freddy is more unique. Which is definitely a point towards him. I mean, when you read the on-paper version of the Joker, you're like, okay, great, a, a psychopath. Like, no big deal. But I feel like the portrayals of the Joker has been what makes him a step above the rest. And I'm not saying that the portrayal of Freddy Krueger in the first film isn't iconic. Obviously it is. That's what launched him into becoming one of the most iconic villains of all time. But I feel like even when I take the four building blocks of crazed murderers, you know, like Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and like, I don't know, Chucky. Although I still see Freddy as really iconic, I kind of picture him with the rest. But when I think of a villain, whether it's in Marvel or in DC, Right away, the first one anyone lists is the Joker. 
And the Joker is not the hero. <laughs> he might be the hero to the villains of Gotham, maybe. I don't even know if he'd be the hero to them. Because as we've seen, he makes it very difficult to be on his team, on his side. I don't know. I feel like in my mind, if I'm just going off of instinctual feelings, I'm going to go with the Joker. And yeah, for me too, the Joker has been played so well so many times by so many different really, really good actors. Jack Nicholson, you said. Heath Ledger. Mark Hamill. Like These are just really good actors, and they all played the Joker in a different way. Like, they all portray the same awesome character, and they do an awesome job doing it, but they're all so different. And I feel like that's just a testament to how awesome the character is in general. Dynamic. I feel like dynamic is the word to describe the character of the Joker. And even the Jared Leto, I know we are not a fan of it, but his Joker was way different than the other four that I just named. So it's just such a unique character, and I don't think... Freddie can top that. I've, I mean, you guys, if you go back to listen to the horror episode, you know how I feel about that one. I personally think Jason Voorhees probably should have came out of that bracket. I do think Freddie is deserving, but to me, when I think of horror, I think of Jason Voorhees and I feel like and that's the only type of horror character that could really make me even talk about iconic status compared to the Joker. But, but for this, I am also voting the Joker. I just want to make a really quick point. I feel like because Robert England was so phenomenal in his portrayal of Freddy, it made it impossible for us to get a different side of Freddy Krueger because nobody else measured up. Or probably will measure up in the future. I'm not sure if we're going to get a better Nightmare on Elm Street down the road because it's not going to have Robert England in it. And unfortunately, because of that, you don't get a lot of different sides of the character, so you don't get to learn as much about the character like you do with the Joker. So, yeah. Um, and who did our fans vote for? And in a landslide, our fans voted 78% to 22% in favor of the Joker. I don't know if I'd say landslide. I mean, it's pretty close to being a landslide, I guess, but come on. What the heck else do you need to be a landslide? Like 90 to 10. <laughs> 78% of the votes is a landslide. I, that We're not debating that. So that is 6 to 1 in favor of the Joker. And he will be moving on to the final round of the Villain Madness bracket. And that brings us to our next semifinal, Darth Vader versus scar all right let's break it down shall we darth vader strengths trained by the jedi formerly a jedi telekinesis superhuman strength strength with the force which is obviously a big deal in star wars or as kelsey so nicely put it he mind chokes you. <laughs> that was my note before Brian gave me a better way to say that. He's backed by the full strength of the Empire. He's got crazy 
lightsaber skills. And he's a master pilot. And Luca, before you listen to this and correct us, we know that there's more. But we're just hitting on some of the big ones. Luca is quaking. He's pissed. Weaknesses. This is kind of one that I kind of just put my spin on it as someone who's not a big Star Wars fan. Or I won't even say not a big Star Wars fan, but is not a fanatic of Star Wars. The love for his children. I mean, at the end of the day, as far as I can interpret, that's what kind of turned him around at the very, very end of his life is that he loved Luke so much. Also, he's more machine than man. Really, he's relying on his suit, the machine of Darth Vader, to keep him alive. And then the suit in general, because it limits his mobility, is also a weakness. Um, so we'll mention who plays him in just a minute here. But some miscellaneous uh, notes that we wanted to make about the character Darth Vader. Um, is that Hayden Christensen doesn't. Because we are not talking about Anakin Skywalker. We are talking about Darth freaking Vader. Brian is very passionate about this. As you can tell, he interrupted my presentation. But yes, Brian is correct. Unfortunately, Hayden Christensen plays Anakin Skywalker, who does become Darth Vader. So if you're wondering why we won't mention him in the actors who famously played Darth Vader, that is why. And just another note about casting that we found very interesting. Um, when Darth Vader iconically loses his helmet and is unmasked, he is actually quickly portrayed by a different actor. Uh, Sebastian Shaw. So that was very interesting that they would literally pick somebody else for the face of Darth Vader, um, but not as the actor who was playing him in the suit the whole time. So he's famously played by David Prowse and James Earl Jones famously voiced him. I would say famously voiced him is even an undersell. That's probably, I want to say, I know I use hyperbole on this show, guys. Like, whatever, deal with it. I want to say the most famous voiceover in movie history is James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. The man has tears in his eyes from the passion of that statement. You're going to hate what I put as an alias. Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I get it. Also, Lord Vader, the Dark Lord, and uh, Papa Vader. Just kidding. Not really. She wanted to include Father because Luke said it. Papa Vader. (laughs) The highest IMDb rating is Star Wars Empire Strikes Back with an 8.7. Shockingly, in my opinion, a little underrated. but And that's coming from someone who's not even a big Star Wars fan. But that's still the number 15 movie of all time. So 8.7 is high. 15 is high. All right. And the final contender in the final four. Scar. Scar's strengths. Army of hyenas that are terrified of him and therefore willing to do pretty much whatever he asks. Ruthless. Lacks a conscious. That's pretty obvious by his actions 
I mean, he was willing to kill his brother and then not stop there killing his nephew, his little baby nephew. All because he wants to be king. He's highly intelligent. He's a master manipulator. And he's a damn lion, everybody. He is a lion. He is, in fact, a lion. (laughs) Which is a strength in itself, obviously. Anakin Skywalker is, in fact, not a lion. That suit might be lion-proof. Who knows? I mean, Anakin Skywalker, didn't he, like, get all of his limbs burned off from, like, lava? And that's why he needs the suit. So he survived lava. He might be able to survive a lion. Who knows? 2022. New movie. Darth Vader versus a lion. (laughs) I swear to God. In 2022, if we see a Joker versus Freddy movie and a Darth Vader versus Scar movie. We are demanding credit. Hollywood is listening at all times. Some of his weaknesses, because he is so resentful of Mufasa and Simba, he, like, ruins his own chances of becoming a legit king. Like, once again, this is just another example of a villain clouding his own judgment because he's so angry about something. He has an inferiority complex, yet he's also egotistical and prideful. Which makes for an interesting combo. And he's a narcissist, which, eh, depending on how you look at it with a villain, could be a weakness or a strength. But we're going to go with weakness on this one. Uh, Some miscellaneous things that definitely could be seen as strengths in a really dark, twisted way. His character is actually loosely based on King Claudius from the... William Shakespeare play Hamlet. Um, That's one of the main antagonists in that play. And his villainy was additionally inspired by Adolf Hitler, which Brian kind of pointed out in the episode where we broke down the animated villains. There's a lot of, like, Hitler imagery in The Lion King. I mean, I know there's these, like, YouTube videos you can watch where they kind of show all the things that were hidden in Disney films. Doesn't make it any less messed up. Um, He is famously voiced um, by two main people kind of when it comes to the actual Lion King films. And that's Jeremy Irons and Jim Cummings. I'm going to go through his aliases. Please do not judge me for any pronunciation issues. If you're a passionate Scar fan and you're going to come for me, I'm very sorry. Um, Taka and Ascari. Uncle Scar. That one I can pronounce. And Sire. Something interesting I found while researching him is that he actually has some occupations. Would you like to hear them, Brian? Can't wait. He is the former false king of Pride Rock. Gosh, what an occupation. He is the former heir to the throne of Pride Rock, which Simba got in the way of, as we know. And he is the former leader of the Lion Guard. The highest IMDb feature for Scar is the original Lion King film with an 8.5 which is the number two animated movie of all time. So he has earned his place. 
And the number 39 ranked movie of all time is The Lion King. That's crazy. That's how good that cartoon was. To be the number 30 time movie of all time, that's ahead of some really, really classic movies. Especially for a Disney film. Because I feel like those aren't what stick out in people's minds. A lot of times it's like dramas and stuff like that. And like really emotional films. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. So this just became a little bit more of a showdown than I think people would have originally thought. I mean, you've got a lion based on one of the most evil people in world history, even if it's loosely. Well, that's the thing about Scar is that The Lion King is a movie for kids, and he was still terrifying and still a huge dick. Imagine if The Lion King was rated R. Imagine Scar being in this Final Four as a rated R movie. The stuff that we would see him do on screen. I don't even want to think about that. It sounds really disturbing. I mean, think of how cruel it was in the freaking kids movie. He pushed his blood brother off of a cliff instead of saving him. And then he manipulated his nephew into thinking that that death was the nephew's fault. This little baby, little baby Simba. And then he exiles the kid from Pride Rock and tells his hyenas, once he gets out of town, go kill him. That's messed up stuff for a kid's movie. That's messed up stuff for an adult movie. But imagine if we saw it in rated R movies. Not to mention, I mean, typical dictator um, doesn't mind that his people are starving to death and dying. He doesn't care. Uses fear to control everybody. I mean, yeah, it's some really messed up stuff. And we watched that as a kid, just with big old smiles on our faces, popping snacks into our mouths. So let's run through the votes for this one. Scar versus Darth Vader. So Colin goes with Vader. Andrew goes with Vader. Marcus goes with Scar because he called Darth Vader a sellout. Luca goes with Vader. And that brings us to us. I feel like this is even more difficult than the Joker versus Freddy. And I know that's kind of weird to say, but it's really hard to come on top when it comes to Disney because almost every Disney movie has someone that you're supposed to, as a kid, be scared of. But I think what makes Scar different is as an adult, you look at it and you're like, that's pretty messed up. But I feel like Scar rules in the world of Disney and he sticks out in people's minds as one of the most evil Disney characters to ever be introduced. But Darth Vader, like, he doesn't even have a category. That's why he went in our classic because we had to include him, but where else do you put him? He is such a standalone villain. I don't know. For me, that makes him more iconic. And I don't even have, like, words to really explain it. It's just that, like, Star Wars is such a separate entity 
And he really rules that, like, universe of films. And like Lucas said, like, a lot of the stuff that you see in the in the main movies isn't even his best work. So when you start to take into account the the time period where Darth Vader was in his prime, so like in between the first two trilogies, there's a huge time span that a lot of people don't even know about. And even if you take that out of the argument, I feel like the edges to Vader. And then when you consider that, when you consider that we probably never actually saw Prime Vader on screen, it's it's just not close to me. And I'm voting Vader. It's crazy because this is even coming from somebody who has maybe um, insulted Mr. Vader in the past. Um, But I feel like there's a lot more that goes into it versus just being very powerful. And that kind of is like, what role do they play in pop culture? And I feel like, Luke, I am your father... There's a reason that that's considered, A, one of the biggest twists in a film. Even though it's not a twist now because we all know it. At the time, that was a twist. And also, one of the most iconic quotes of all time. Did you know that that's not the actual quote? And huge Star Wars fans that are listening are probably saying that right now? You just wanted to embarrass me. You wanted to list, let me talk. Go ahead, Kelsey. Embarrass yourself. So that's what... 90% of the population thinks is the quote, Luke, I am your father. But what actually happens is Luke says, you killed my father. And Darth Vader says, no, I am your father. So what he actually says is, no, son, I am Papa Vader. <laughs> Kelsey, rewriting Star Wars. Thanks, Brian, for outing me. Now the whole world will know I'm not a fanatic of Star Wars. Just kidding. Y'all already knew that. I'm going to go with Darth Vader. And that is a 5 to one vote. So the fan vote will not tie break this either. And that's a good thing because I think there might have been some shenanigans with the fan vote in this one. We went from Darth Vader leading the poll pretty heavily to an influx of Scar votes to where the final vote actually ended up with Scar at 53% to Vader's 47%. So we're going to put a little asterisk next to that vote. But technically it went to Scar. So that's 5 to 2 in favor of Vader. You know, we tried to give you guys some extra time to vote, and y'all conducted some criminal activity. <laughs> Listen, there was somebody online that said that they are huge Joker fans, so while they think Vader is the better villain, they want to vote for Scar so the Joker can win this thing. And I'm not going to say that that person voted for Scar 50 times, but something happened and here we are. I will say this, though. If it came down to who do I think I would survive an interaction with, I think I could charm myself out of a death by Vader. But I couldn't charm myself out of a death by a lion. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to a 
freaking phenomenal final match of the Joker and Darth Vader. And I am not sure how that's going to go. I'm not sure who I'm going to vote for yet. So let me break this down for you guys, because this was a very um, fun series for us to do. And we're going to wrap it up in a very fun way. So we are going to post the polls again online. Go ahead, ballot box, stuff the crap out of them. Whatever you want to vote for. Yeah, let's see who's more dedicated, the Vader fans or the Joker fans. Refresh, vote, refresh, vote. Let's, let's see what we can get with that. Go ham. Um, we're going to allow you guys some extra time to vote. So next week's podcast on Sunday will be Titletown, our interview with Jed. We are so excited for you guys to hear that. But we're going to bring back the lives. Now, we're not going to be able to do a live every Wednesday. Um, but this Wednesday, we wanted to do our first live for a while. And it's football themed. So we're very excited for that. I won't go into any more information. Um, but the lives are a great way for you guys to come on and interact with us. Feel free to pop on there, even though it won't be the final for this series. Um, but feel free to pop on there and give us your opinions. Because, so that's the 15th. September 15th will be the live where we um, come back, do our first live that we've done in a while. And we're going to do a football themed trivia game oh i'm just gonna tell them what we're doing because it's hilarious i am going to quiz kelsey on nfl logos not just nfl college is going to be included too i'm going to give her a logo of a college slash nfl team and she has to tell me what their mascot is i must say though i feel like my knowledge in football is a little high because of the family i was raised in and the fact that I've been with you for eight years, and if I didn't want to watch football on a Sunday, well, that sucks. I don't have a choice. Oh, we'll see. But we'll see. Join us for that live, because I think it's going to be really funny to watch or guess some of these. So that is Wednesday, September 15th at 8 o'clock on our Facebook. Next Sunday, Sunday, September 19th, will be our Title Town Brewery interview. And then Wednesday, September 22nd, at 8 p.m., we are doing the championship showdown live on Facebook. It is going to be, as you know, the Joker versus Darth Vader. We're very excited. We are also going to be reacting to the feedback we've gotten on this series from our listeners. We've been keeping track of comments and messages that we've been sent about our series, um, whether it's positive or negative, and we're going to react to them on live. So that'll be exciting. So lots of exciting dates. I will make a post so that you guys can keep track. Um, but yeah, what an exciting way to wrap up this series. So with that being said, thank you for joining us again. Bye, guys. Bye.